are listening to a message from Bethany First Church of the Nazarene, online at bethanynaz.org. Well, amen. Good, good, good to see your faces this morning. I uh, was inspired by a commercial that was on television a long, long time ago. I was a teenager at the time, so you know it was a long time ago. This commercial featured these two guys that are on motorcycles. They're riding down the highway. There's music that's, that's uh, in the bed of the commercial, and, and there really are only a few words in the commercial. These guys ride down the highway, and suddenly you see the sign that says, Welcome to Alaska. And, and the very place that first place that they can turn off, they turn off into a parking lot and they find a phone booth. Now I realize that there's a lot of folks in this service that you've never seen a phone booth. You don't know what a phone booth is, but they were these little square boxes and long time ago your parents and your grandparents would play games like trying to see how many people they could put into a phone booth. But in this particular commercial, it was just the two guys, they cram into this phone booth and here are the only words in the commercial. Hey mom, we made it. Now, I saw that commercial with a buddy of mine, and we decided right then and there that we were going to buy motorcycles there in Houston, Texas, and we were going to ride motorcycles all the way from Houston, Texas to someplace in Alaska. I'll be honest with you, I don't even know that we knew that Alaska was north and west from Houston, Texas, but that's what we were going to do. We were going to, we were going to go to Alaska, someplace in Alaska. We were going to find a phone booth. We were going to call our moms, and we were going to say from Alaska, hey, mom, we made it. Well, somewhere along the way, sanity prevailed, and and we didn't buy any motorcycles, and we didn't get on the motorcycles and ride to Alaska, and we didn't do that. But uh, I love the commercial, and I think about it often, because you know what the real beauty of that commercial was? The call home. Isn't it true that there's just something great about calling home? If you're a parent here today, wouldn't you just admit that you love it when your kids call home? In fact, here's a little public service announcement. No extra charge for this. If, if, you're, if you're listening to this message online or you're here in person and your parents are still living, call them today. You'll be glad and they'll be glad as well. There's just something special about calling home. Well, I think that's what happens when we pray. If the Bible is true, and I believe the Bible is true, then we're going to spend more time in heaven than we spend here on earth. And so while we're in this waiting time, this in-between time, I think we ought to call home as often as we possibly can. So in the midst of this 21-day series on prayer, uh, I, I love our pastor. I know you love our pastor too. I wish he was here with us today to complete this series, but he's not, and, and I get to pinch hit for him, and I'm grateful for that opportunity. And so we're going to do our best to, to try and finish up what he started a, a couple of weeks ago, this 21-day series on prayer. So let's, let's go do a little bit of a review. By the way, this is my review from listening to the first two messages. This might not, might not be your review, might not be Pastor Rick's review, but, but here's what I saw or listened to. We need a time, a place, and a plan to pray, right? The time, we have 1,440 minutes per day, and, and we get to choose what portion of the day we're going to spend in, in prayer. The place, Jesus chose to play, pray in solitary places and spaces. There's amazing things that can happen 
You know, we have fewer distractions when we, when we pray in a solitary space or place. But I will tell you, I, I read the words of Thomas Keating this last week that really encouraged me because I don't know about you, I get distracted sometimes when I pray. And he said that if you get distracted 10,000 times when you're praying, then that gives you 10,000 opportunities to return to, to God. A plan. Jesus offered the Lord's Prayer as a guide to our prayer. And then finally, do you have a time, a place, and a plan? That's my question for you. 21 days in or 14 days in, whatever we are here, do you have a time, a place, and a plan to pray? Week two, here's my summary. Ought versus must, obligation versus oxygen. What's, what's our motive? Are you praying because you just feel like you, you ought to do it, you pray out of obligation, or, or is it oxygen for your soul? Prayer isn't about giving God information. It's about intimacy. He already knows what we're going to pray. God, our Father, has the power and the purity to meet anything that we pray about. The focus we should have is on a big God, not on the giants. And finally, our hearts change when we pray. It's true. It's true. When we begin to pray... Amazing things happen. So I want to talk more today with you about calling home and continue to grow and develop our relationship with the Father. If you want to grow your relationship with God, I can give it to you in one simple word, and it is simply that word, pray. When we pray, our relationship with our Father will grow. Prayer feeds our faith. It strengthens our core. It, it helps heal us from some of the hurts of the past. It prepares us for what's coming our way today and tomorrow. Now, the Lord's Prayer is a guide that was provided to us, for us, by Jesus. And Matthew shared this prayer as a portion of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount in chapter 6. Luke gives us a condensed version of the Lord's Prayer, the same prayer in chapter 11. Notice these words. One day, Jesus was praying in a certain place when he finished... One of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray. Not teach us to preach, not teach us to prophesy, not teach us to heal, not teach us to love. He, he says, teach us to pray. Now, last week, the focus was on the first lines of instruction. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And this week, we move to the portion of the Lord's Prayer that I believe we're tempted to rush to. Maybe you're not tempted to rush to it. Let me just make it more personal. This is the, the portion of the prayer that I think I'm tempted to rush to. To, to get to maybe what some people see as the good stuff. You know, the, the opportunity to, 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 to pray about needs. I think this is maybe what happens when our kids call home. Have you ever noticed that when your kids call home that, that there's some small talk and then somewhere along the way they get to what they really want to talk to you about and it's, it's quite often, maybe this is just at our house, but it, it's quite often about something that they need or maybe it's something that, they, that they, they want. Well, up, week this, up first this week in our, in our call home are these words. Give us today our daily bread. Give us today our daily bread. A few weeks ago, my wife Carolyn and I sat right over here in the Christmas Eve service. We came on Christmas Eve. We were in the, uh, the early afternoon service. And when the service was over, we had made plans to go have dinner together. And so we're, we're having dinner at a restaurant right there on Lake Hefner. And uh, 
we're just having small talk and kind of right in the midst of this conversation my wife drops this big question on me i wasn't expecting it but but she said when you think about this year 2021 what do you think the the message was that that god was giving you or or teaching you now, I didn't expect the question from her, but it was a, a question that I had been thinking about because it's sort of my practice and habit to, to do a review at the end of the year and, and to begin to make plans and pray about the coming year. And so when she asked me the question, it wasn't something that, that, that had not entered my mind. I, I, I will tell you, 2021 was a hard year. And I won't go into all the details. Uh, you've got your own details and and. And, and 2021 was just a tough year in, in a lot of ways for, for me. And, and, and as I thought about 2021, I, I thought about some of those things. And, and I got lots of blessings to report to, so I'm not asking anybody to feel sorry for me. I'm just telling you that 2021 was a tough year. But, but as, as I processed 2021, I will tell you that the message that I felt like the Lord had given me was to take it a day at a time. I don't know whether it's the way that God wired me up. I don't know whether it's maybe part of my assignment, but, but I do a lot of thinking about the future. And if I'm honest with you, I do a lot of worrying about the future. And I know what Scripture says. Scripture says that, that we're to, to not be anxious about anything. With prayer and petition, make our requests known to, to God, Philippians 4, 6. But, but it's just my nature that I get to thinking about what's coming up this next week and, and next month and next year. And pretty soon I can get kind of overwhelmed by, by everything that is out there. And, and, and I think give us this day our daily bread is a reminder to, to take it a day at a time. William Osler is considered by many to be the father of modern medicine. And while he was in medical school, he found himself feeling pretty overwhelmed about everything that he was experiencing, and he read the words of a Scottish historian, Thomas Carlyle, that altered the course of his life. The words were these, do what lies clearly at hand. Do what lies clearly at, at hand. Forty years later, he spoke to students at Yale University, and he encouraged the students with these words, live in day-tight compartments. Now, long before Carlisle and Osler, Jesus, I believe, had the same message. Don't get worn down by yesterday's failures. Don't get overwhelmed by what you think might be headed your way tomorrow. Seize today. Use those 1,440 minutes. Live in day-tight compartments. The message and a show-and-tell were... We're part of the Old Testament, and, and we see it in the form of manna. You remember the story? Moses, the children of Israel, Exodus, the 16th chapter and the fourth verse. Then the Lord said to Moses, I will rain down bread from heaven for you. The people will go out each day and gather enough for that day. In this way, I will test them to see whether they will follow my instructions. Now, if God could give manna bread from heaven for a day, I think God could give manna bread from heaven for a week or a month. In fact, we know that, that he did on the Sabbath give enough for, for two days, but, but he chose specifically one day. 
We come to the New Testament and we read the words of Jesus. Give us this day our daily bread. You know, when we pray daily, I think it prepares us in in some really powerful ways. It, It prepares us for the good works that he has prepared in advance for us to do. Ephesians 2.10 gives us that message. I I don't know about you, but sometimes I I wake up and I think, boy, i got to make my list of all the things that that God wants me to accomplish for him today. And then I read Ephesians 2.10 that that says he's prepared those good works in advance for me to do. So he's already ahead of me. He's planned the day for me. All I have to do is listen and be sensitive and be still long enough and quiet long enough to hear what it is that that he's already prepared in advance for me to do. I think praying daily prepares us for the decisions that we need to make. We make hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of decisions each day. And praying prepares us for that. Praying daily prepares us for conversations with our adult children. Or maybe conversations with our adult parents. And conversations that that the best thing that we can do is just keep our mouth shut and listen. Maybe that's just at my house that that the praying praying is preparing me for. How about praying daily? It prepares you for the disappointments with your spouse who has clear instructions about what they're supposed to pick up at the store on the way home. But then they forget to even go by the store or they... Or they get the wrong things when they get to the store. Again, maybe that's just our house that those kinds of uh, prayers go on. Praying daily prepares us for, for the anger that may come when somebody cuts us off in traffic or honks their horn a millisecond after the light turns green. That's what praying daily can do. Bottom line is that this list could go on and on and on, but prayer daily prayer, give us this day our daily bread, prepares us to be able to win the day. Well, prayer prepares us for the, the assignment we find in verse 12 as well. Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Are you in debt? That's kind of a personal question for me to ask this morning. But I want to tell you quickly, I'm not asking about your money. I'm not asking about your finances. I'm speaking spiritually. You see, if, if you don't believe that you have any spiritual debt, then you probably won't pray this portion of the prayer. And the, the problem if you don't pray this portion of the prayer is really, really big. If you don't accept the forgiveness that is offered, then you can't respond by forgiving those who have harmed you. People in your debt. The Lord prayer, Lord's Prayer begins in this radical way that Pastor Rick has talked about where Jesus calls God our Father. Nobody called God our Father. And yet Jesus comes along and wrecks all of the tradition, breaks down all of the walls by using that phrase, our Father, Daddy, over and over again. Did you know that some, some traditions actually call the Lord's Prayer the Our Father Prayer? On the cross, Jesus uses the word Father again when he prays. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they are doing. And then we hear his last words from the cross. It is finished. In Greek, this is a a one word, commercial word that was used for somebody that had had paid their financial contract. It's, it's what they stamp when you have completed your mortgage or your, your car payments. It's the Greek word to telestai. It simply means paid in full. We, 
you, me, anybody listening to this message does not have to be in spiritual debt for one reason and one reason alone. It's because of what Jesus did on the cross. He paid our debt. Now, Jesus didn't have to add this second part of the prayer about forgiveness, right? He could have simply said, forgive us our debts. Let's move on. But but Jesus ties our request for forgiveness to our responsibility to forgive. Jesus tells a, a story in Matthew, the 18th chapter, verses 21 through 35, about the unmerciful servant. Do you remember the story? It starts this way. Peter came up to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother when he sins against me? And in typical Peter fashion, he answered the question before Jesus could answer the question. He said, up to seven times. And Jesus uses Peter's question to teach the disciples a lesson about forgiveness, and he did what he did so often. He told a story. It's the story of a king who went to settle his accounts. One servant owed the king an astronomical amount of money. It would have taken a daily laborer 150,000 years of work to repay that debt. Because he could not pay his debt, the king ordered the man and his family sold into slavery. But the man fell on his knees and he begged for patience and mercy and he promised to repay the king. At this point, the king did a most remarkable thing. He took pity on him. He canceled his debt and he let him go. Now that sounds too good to be true. But the spiritual application is easy for us to see. You and I have this spiritual debt that we could not repay with 150,000 years of, of labor. But it's canceled for us. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. I've seen a great example of, of forgiveness in my personal prayer time, my time and, and, and place and my plan. Part of my plan is to read a little bit from the Old Testament and a little bit from the New Testament. By the way, I will just tell you that I think Scripture and prayer are inextricably tied together. That There's just com- incredible power when we read Scripture because I, I think Scripture reads us as we're reading Scripture. And, and In fact, one of the things that, that I would say to you is pray Scripture. Praying Scripture is is powerful. If you don't feel like you've got the words, then use the words that somebody else has. The Psalms are a great place to start. But but lately I've been in the Old Testament and I've been in the, 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 the portion of the Old Testament where it's the relationship between two kings, Saul and David. And I see over and over again in Scripture that, that David had the opportunity to actually take Saul's life. And yet, what does David do? David forgives Saul over and over again. Can I tell you this morning that that forgiveness is a choice, but not an option? Now, I know you hear that, you read that, and you think, how can something be a choice and not an option? That doesn't even make sense. Well, according to the Lord's Prayer, we ask for forgiveness when we pray, forgive us our debts. And then we choose whether or not we're going to accept the forgiveness that is offered. But here's the key. If you and I accept forgiveness for our debts, then forgiving others is no longer an option for us. We don't have any 
opportunity to do anything other than forgive others. We can't practice selective forgiveness. We can't say, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to forgive him but not her. Or her but not him. We, we have to offer forgiveness if we choose to accept forgiveness. You can't give what you haven't received, so you want to receive forgiveness. Well, verse 13 concludes this portion of the prayer by saying, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. You know, temptation is, it's not dinnertime conversation, right? We, we don't sit around and, and it's not even really small group conversation. We, you know, temptation's personal. We, we, we all, I think, can agree that we're all tempted, right? <laughs> the, the temptations that, uh, that, that you have as an 18-year-old may be quite different than the temptations that you have as an 80-year-old, but, but we're all tempted. But I'll tell you what we might be willing to share. We might be willing to share this morning the things that don't tempt us. So this week I, uh, I had a little fun with, uh, with, with our BFC leaders, and, and I just asked for some responses. What, what are some things that you've never been tempted by? And, and, and I want to share some of these. You know, Jake Garrett, Pastor Jake, he, he has never been tempted to be a vegetarian. And to that I say, hallelujah. I, I, you know, I'm with you, with you, Pastor Jake. Sonia White has never been tempted to be on a reality TV show especially the one that features people in the wilderness without any clothes. Sonia, I'm, I'm kind of with you there too, and, but that may be too much information to be sharing uh, you know, on a, a, a Sunday morning. Lewis McLean has never been tempted to jump off the 40-foot cliffs at Lake Tenkiller. I've got to be honest with you, I, I didn't know there were 40-foot cliffs at Lake Tenkiller, but, but I was asking him after the first service if he might think about a belly flop there sometime, a 40-foot belly flop. Casey Myers has never been tempted to go cow tipping. My wife said, what, what is cow tipping? I, I don't know that I completely understand it. Casey went on to say that cows spook me, and I think it's a myth that they tip easily. I think we need to buy Casey some Chick-fil-A cows and set them up in his office. Brighton Smith has never been tempted to eat deviled eggs. I want to take Brighton out to a little place not too far from here where they fry the deviled eggs and, and just see if he doesn't like fried deviled eggs. I mean, anything is good if you fry it, right? I mean, you could probably eat skunk if you fried it. I mean, you know, uh, Kate Myers has never been tempted to check the score of a game on her phone while having a conversation with someone. Yeah, you know what? We didn't get any of that in the first service, but... I, I don't know. I haven't talked to Kay, but I think maybe she has some people in her life that are tempted to check the score of a game while they're having a conversation with her. So maybe we, we need to pray for those folks. Pastor Rick has never been tempted to eat ice cream. Yeah, that, that one's actually not true. He, he said he's never been tempted to eat Brussels sprouts or beef liver. And I'm, yeah, I'm with you there too. Uh, you know, Chris Holcomb's never been tempted to skydive run a marathon, go on another 56-mile hike, or skinny dip in a pool of sharks. <laughs> Pastor Chris has just got lots of issues going on. I'll just tell you right now, I, I think we need special prayer for him. Annette Harvey has never been tempted to respond to anything that might end up in a sermon. <laughs> and Annette, all i got to say is, God bless you. I'm sorry, you, you do show up in some sermons from time to time. 
I saw a huge sign recently advertising body piercing, ear, nose, navel. I just kept driving. There was absolutely no temptation for me to stop and have anything on my body pierced. A short distance away, I saw a couple of guys that were hanging off a water tower. They were hanging off by ropes, and they were painting this giant water tower. And I thought to myself, you know, that's a job that I've just never never been tempted to apply for. You know, I fly a lot, but I've never been tempted to be a flight attendant. And it's not because I have a fear of flying. But I, I will confess to you that, that there's something that I do on planes that is not a good thing, but I, I pay no attention to the pre-flight announcements about seatbelts and oxygen masks. And, and I feel kind of bad about that. You know, having been a pastor, I'm used to people not paying any attention to me at all while I'm speaking. And, and there's a whole lot of that that goes on during the uh, whole oxygen mask, you know, seatbelt uh, routine. And, and I... I just have developed this kind of deal where I sometimes I ask myself after I've been on the plane and we're up in the air for a while, did they even make that announcement? This week I was was thinking about the Lord's Prayer, and and I wondered if if maybe we sometimes treat the Lord's Prayer the same way. We, we we read the words. Maybe we sing the words, maybe we we pray the words, but if we're if we're not careful, we we never really meant the words. And we get to this portion of the prayer, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. And it sounds to me like that's where the alarm bells are going off, and, and that's the emergency portion of the prayer, and that's the first time that we get to thinking, maybe we, we really ought to use this when we get in trouble. By the way, help is a, a one-word prayer, but it's a, a great prayer to pray. When Jesus spoke these words about temptation, he knew something about it. He had firsthand experience. If you, if you just go back a couple of chapters from Matthew 6 to Matthew 4, you can read all about it. Let me just give you the first couple of verses in, in Matthew 4. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit. Think about this with me. Jesus was led by the Spirit into the desert to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. In the wilderness, the the desert. When when you study scripture, or my guess is that when you even reflect on your own life, you will discover that it is in those desert wilderness moments when you learn dependence. Jesus experiences three temptations in the desert. All of them had one thing in common. Each one was an appeal to self and not God to be standing at the center of the universe. And the Lord's Prayer is a prayer for people who have chosen to commit their lives to God. They've chosen to stand upon the promises of His Word, even when it's not popular, even when it's countercultural, even when it creates hardship and persecution, and even when you're praying it and you don't understand what's going on in your life. The writer to the Hebrews reminded us, he says, we have one, talking about Jesus, who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet was without sin. Let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence, 
so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. You know, when we, when we pray the Lord's Prayer, uh, there are some words that are a footnote at the bottom of the page of the New International Version in Matthew chapter 6. This, this amen or benediction to the prayer only is printed in about half of all Bible translations. It's a simple yet powerful way to end such a beautiful prayer. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Would you say that with me this morning? For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Key word in that, that benediction, I believe, is yours. Not mine, not ours. It's his kingdom, it's his power, it's his glory. Several years ago, uh, one of the wireless communication companies had a, a series of commercials that I'm guessing you remember. That They featured this man who was wearing black framed glasses and he went around to all kinds of places. You would see him in big cities, you would see him in swamps, you would see him in cornfields, a variety of other places, and, and then you would hear these words. You can probably say them with me. Can you hear me now? You know, the marketing campaign was... It was successful, and it was, in my opinion, annoying. What you may not know is that at a, a big NASCAR event, the same communication company dressed up several hundred men alike with black frame glasses, phones to their ear, and sent them out into the crowd, and the promotion was to find the real can-you-hear-me-now guy. I wonder sometimes if God doesn't want to just yell at us from heaven, can you hear me now? You see, I'm convinced that, that he's speaking to us. He's always speaking to us. It's all about whether or not we're tuning in to what it is that he has to say. But he's speaking to us, and he speaks to us in all kinds of ways. I, I think he speaks to us through his word. That's why it's so important to have a time, a place, and a plan. I think for some of us, he speaks to us through, through songs. It may be a song on the, the radio or a song that uh, you're just listening to during your prayer time. Sometimes I think he speaks to us through the voice of a friend, somebody who loves us and, and somebody that God has inspired to, to share some wisdom and discernment with us. Sometimes I think he speaks to us in a service just like this. Sometimes God speaks to us in the middle of the night in a whisper. I, I wonder if Sometimes we convince ourselves that the God of the universe would never talk to me. Because I'm too sinful. Or I'm too unworthy. Or I'm too whatever. You, you fill in the, the blank. Or we're like the folks at that NASCAR event. We're wandering around looking, looking and listening for God, and we're, we're not really sure 
what he's saying or where he is. So let's, uh, let's practice what we've been talking about. Let's call home for, for just a moment before this service ends. Would you, would you stand? As you stand, would you, would you bow your heads with me and would you close your eyes? And, and I want to invite you to take whatever posture in these next few moments for prayer that you want to take. The altar's open, and if you'd, if you'd love to kneel at an altar this morning, you're, you're welcome to come and do that. You can kneel right where you are. If you want to kneel right where you are, you can just stay standing. You can reach out and take the hand of somebody that you love next to you. Whatever position you want to be in. I'm going to give you just a moment. If you have a need today, maybe it's not daily bread. But it's a big need in your life right in this moment. Can I just invite you to call home? Remember, it's not about information. It's about intimacy. God already knows what your need is. But there is something powerful about as a child saying to your father what it is that you need. Maybe forgiveness is the issue for you today. And this could come in a lot of forms. Maybe it's that you need to ask for forgiveness. Maybe it's you need to receive forgiveness. Maybe it is that God has forgiven you, but you've not forgiven yourself. Or maybe there's somebody and their face just flashes in your mind right now that that you need to forgive before you leave this place and this space today. Whatever it is, call home. Ask for the freedom that that comes from forgiving, being forgiven and forgiving. Finally, if there's a temptation in your life that continues to be a battle, I can just promise you that God knows about the battle. He knows about the temptation. But call home. Ask for help. Ask to be rescued and delivered. Hear these words from the psalmist now. Embrace this message that I believe comes straight to you from heaven this morning. Be still and know that I am God. Be still and know. Be still. You have been listening to a message from Bethany First Church of the Nazarene. Visit us online at bethanynaz.org.